Thank you so much. So this evening is really the celebration and the culmination of about five, five and a half years in which we have been intentionally waiting on God to see, oh, the children, have the children gone? The little E's? Have they gone? Okay, the little E's. Um, intentionally just kind of praying, waiting on God, watching God do incredible things. One of the three mistakes that church plants makes make is to um, appoint leaders too quickly. Uh, because you just don't know who has a heart for the community, who will lay their lives down for the community, who will sacrifice and surrender things for the well-being of the whole. And so um, it has taken us a number of years to kind of see who God raises up into the space. Now on the screen behind me there is a slide, and in the slide there are three Greek words that both Peter and Paul use when describing this great function. The word elder is not a familiar word. It's not something we use in common vernacular. Uh, it was back in the day, going back into the Middle Ages and before, but in terms of the English language. Um, but it is a beautiful word, and uh, in describing it, it's almost like both Paul and Peter looked for an image kind of that could binocular in and create one central understanding of this most weighted and yet servant-hearted of roles in the life of the church. And so in Acts 20 and 1 Peter 5, these words are used interchangeably. And they describe so wonderfully what these two couples have said and agreed they want to step into increasingly here in our community. The word poimano is to shepherd or to pastor, to feed, to tend a flock or to keep sheep. So the big idea is to pastor. That's the big idea that they are buying into. You and I know we come into a church community with our own brokenness and we are surrounded by broken people. That's the privilege and the miracle called church. It's not perfect people or people who are pretending to be anything they're not. It's in the honesty and vulnerability of who we are that God kind of creates a space in the front as we journey for those who are going to lead us, shepherd us, pastor us, uh, into the adventure that God has for us. Secondly, presbyteros, from which we get the word presby, presbyterian. Uh, it's to elder, to preside, to govern, or to exact justice. And that's a big word, especially in the chaotic world we live in right now. Where will there be safety? Where will there be order? Where will there be God life in the midst of the chaotic world around us? And then the third is episkopos. That's where we get bishop from. I love this one. I love the others as well. But it speaks about to oversee or to integrate the whole. And the idea there is there are men and women who have that particular ability to almost hover over the community, all the people, all the ideas, all the responsibilities, all the programs, activities, things that we do. They are keeping a... 30,000 foot overview of it, if you wish. We don't want people who are specialists, who are really good at one thing and that's all they talk about. It's we want people who are committed to the whole. And, um, and so these two couples have agreed as we've prayed, as we waited on God, as we've had dialogues around this to be embrace the role of the shepherd, the role of the elder, and the role of the bishop. Now, I want to just honor Terry and Linda, though many of you don't know them. 
We've known Linda since 1977, um, since she was really young, and Meryl was even younger. And it's been a fabulous journey, us walking together now for 40... It was the first wedding I did back in the day. And Tyler and Haley were the first wedding I did here. Go figure. And uh, we have been best of friends, and we, we haven't been worst of enemies, but we've had our moments. We've headbutted a few times, like significantly so. But any relationship <laughs> worth having, any choose, choose your finger, any relationship that's worth having, you've you got to overcome. You've got to have those obstacles and those hurdles. And so Terry and Linda have been incredibly helpful to help prepare and ready these two couples, and they will come up here and kind of engage with me in this beautiful piece of biblical protocol. Now, one more thing I want to say. There's no kind of biblical precedent as to how you bring about ordination. We just know from Titus 1.5 where Paul says to Titus, go to Crete, set in order that which is lacking, and appoint or ordain elders. He doesn't say how. He doesn't say what the, uh, the, the steps are. He just almost assumes that there's a way to do it. What we're going to do tonight, uh, and that's the way I love doing it when I do it in churches, is to get the two couples up. Now, you may ask, why couples? Are, are they both elders? No. Not my understanding of Scripture. Uh, my understanding of Scripture is that the elder is a bit like a father in a house. If we're going to build a family, that's who we are. And we become dads in the house. Every now and again, people say, hi, Pastor Chris, or hi, you the pastor here. And I kind of have to think for a moment because it just isn't my headspace. I really am a father in the house. That's kind of what I am. But God has added two more. But every healthy family we know, as a general rule, have a father and a mother. And we know from Genesis 1 that God assigned Adam and Eve a singular assignment. It wasn't two assignments. It wasn't a couple going in different directions. It's a, it's a, it's a union. It's a Chris and Merrill. It's a oneness. And so we're praying over them because the wives are pivotal. They bring their uh, gifts, their ministries, their insight, their wisdom, their discernment, and even great governmental insight on, on more than a few occasions. So um, before I bring the couples up, Terry, you brought your shepherd's crook thing in here. Do you want to speak now or if you ever hold your tongue? So do you know how many marathons we ran together? Believe it or not, when you look at us, you say that is impossible. Well, when you look at Terry, you yeah, think that's yeah. impossible. <laughs> and we ran one, we ran one ultra marathon together, 50 miles. 52 miles? 58. 50, 58 miles? I ran that far? Yeah. I thought it was 50. I've told, I've lied to people all these years. Repentance is in order. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful to see you all. It's, it's always great to be here. I want so I was in England a few weeks ago, and we were in an antique store in the Cotswolds, and I found an antique old shepherd's crook. And I thought I'd buy it because it would be great for ordination. Um, <laughs> sort them out before we start. Nah. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the shepherd because so often people become elders in a church, and they love the position, and they love the prominence, and they love the governing, but most people don't like shepherding. And actually, the heart of an elder, part of it is to shepherd and to care for God's people. And so, as elders, as shepherds, we're always under shepherds to the great shepherd. And so, I, looked at, I was just looking at Psalm 23 again today. 
Um, the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is the word, is my shepherd. The ever-present, now, always with me, covenant-keeping God. He is my shepherd. And so as we become under-shepherds, or these two couples become under-shepherds, one of the things that it says is they need to be present with you as the congregation, as the community, as the people. They can't be distant. They have to be in and among and with you. And that's a really important thing. Um, And so Psalm 23 helps us a little bit to understand that part of it, that a shepherd was to provide, to guide, and to protect. That's a role they take on. Now, that's a really big role. It's not an easy one. It's interesting that God called his people sheep. Any idea? Because they're hard to lead. Because they're difficult. They want to go in their own directions. And to be an elder is difficult. Because they have to keep a flock together. And the whole idea of providing is that they're leading you and hopefully putting you in a place where you can access God and everything that God has for you. Green pastures, beautiful water. Good paths. They're taking you to those things so that you have the best opportunity as community to enter and be with Jesus. But they also guide and they protect. Now, the, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear not because God is with you, his rod and his staff. His rod was a, you know, beat off wild animals. Now, we don't carry rods. And if someone, you know, hassles you, we hit them over the head with a baseball bat. I really correlate that to a lot of prayer and intercession. Prayers of protection over the community. So when they say yes to this ordination today, to this eldership, they are committing to praying for you. I'm asking that you would pray for them. Because shepherds also need caring for. So would you pray for them as well, as they pray and care for you? And then they were to guide And this is why I have the shepherd's crook. This is the rod and the staff. So this is a staff. And a shepherd would carry one of these. And it had a hook in it, a crook. Why? Just because sheep would begin to wander and they would able just to go like that and pull them back. There was the days before sheepdogs. There was a shepherd in the desert with his sheep and one of these. And when when a lamb got caught in a deep thorn bush, he was able to stick this in. Pull the lamb out. The other side was not for beating. It was actually to direct and also to keep it a level like this. When the sheep came home, the sheep would pass under the staff and they would be counted. Now, sheep like to jump. So the staff was always put like that and the sheep would go under. And the shepherd would be able to count his sheep to know that all the sheep were there. Now, this is not the numbering that God forbade David to do on his armies. This is not for them to say, well, we have 150 in our flock and you only have 50 in your flock, so our flock is better than your flock. That's not what this is about. This is the the story of Jesus saying, I leave the 99 to go get the one. He knew how many there were. And so shepherds need to know how many there are, not for importance but for care. Who's not there? And if the shepherds phone you from time to time because you haven't been around, 
It's not because they, you know, want to put bums in seats. It's because they care. And if you're not around, are you sick? Has something happened? That's why they do that. So this is just a visual. They're not going to carry one of these, but it represents something. just checked it in and they took it. <laughs> well, if you could check golf clubs and swords, surely you can check this in. <laughs> so, um, it's, this, this is a massive task. It's a massive privilege. It's God-ordained. And at the end of the day, they give an account to, to God on your behalf. It's massive. So please do pray for them. Love on them, support them as they help you. Is that all right? Thank you. All right, so can Tyler and Haley and Stu and Dana please come up to the front, one on either side. I'll call you in a moment. So over the years, I've pondered on how best to lead moments like this. In the absence of a liturgy in the scriptures, I take two passages, one from Acts 20, in which I will lead them in a commitment for the privilege and responsibility of leading you. And then when we have finished doing that, I will ask those for whom this Genesis is your home church to stand. And using the scriptures again, Hebrews 13, which will be on the screen, I will lead you as a congregation to commit yourself to them. This is a beautiful partnership, a harmonious collaboration on kingdom advancement. This is not position. This is not a hierarchy. This is, thank you, Terry, for that idea. It's a, it's a flock of sheep moving with intent journey, obeying God and being at the front of what God has for us. We have a unique lane. We have a unique calling. It's, not, it's different from other churches, not better than. It just is the jam that God has for us, particularly to create a space where there can be leadership growth and development, a seedbed from which we can plant churches and send people into the nations of the world. My ask of you is four to five years. Some will stay longer, but my ask is four to five years. Within that time, we trust we can pour into you as much as we have and then commission you, send you out, into some global gospel adventure, whether it is as a businessman or woman, whether it's a sportsman or woman, whether it is a church planter or whatever, teacher, an educator, in medical mission, whatever it may be, our desire is not to create longevity, a prize for 50 years at Genesis. Our desire is to see men and women readied, motivated, equipped, and trained to be out there counting for Jesus somewhere, sometime. So we are really excited. My love, do you want to come and stand up here with me? Do you mind? So the passage I want to work through with them, would you throw that up, Austin? Thanks. It's from Acts chapter 20. I know it's a chunky piece, but it gives you opportunity to read it. And uh, this is what I do. I ask them, will you accept the privilege and responsibility and I walk them through probably a half a dozen or seven commitments from the text that we see as their responsibility to lead us as a community. 
From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Very profound moment, the apostle with the elders. Therefore I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock, all the flock. We have no privilege of bias or prejudice. We don't prefer to lead some more than others. Whoever God sends into our community, we carry the responsibility for. Watch over yourselves and all the flock of whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's the word. Eldership line one, overseer line five. Be shepherds, there it is, of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise, distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Drift from orthodoxy and persuade people through charisma to pursue an alternative truth story so be on your guard remember that for three years i never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears now i commit you to god and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified i will read a passage i will pause and if you agree i'm asking you on behalf of this great community to say we will will you embrace the privilege and responsibility according to the text to run your race with patience. We will. Okay, we're getting it now. <laughs> this is like the first dance at the wedding. You know what I mean? It just takes a while to warm up. <laughs> I'll just leave a pregnant pause. Do you accept the privilege and responsibility to testify to the good news of God's grace? Will you accept the privilege and responsibility to proclaim the whole will of God? And I'll put in brackets there according to the scriptures. Do you accept and embrace the privilege and responsibility to watch over yourselves first and foremost? Would you accept the privilege and responsibility to watch over the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers? Every one of these people. Do you accept the privilege and responsibilities to be shepherds, as Terry has so eloquently laid out, of the church of God which he bought with his own blood? I just want to say that, folks. You are not ours. You are his we have to tread very warily as shepherds that we feel like we own you, direct or command you as if you belong to us. You do not. He bought you with his precious blood. It is our privilege to lead you as an under-shepherd of him, the great shepherds. Do you accept and embrace the privilege and responsibility to protect these wonderful people from the savage wolves which will come in among you? Do you accept the privilege and responsibility to be on your guard against those who will distort the truth? Do you accept the privilege and responsibility of bringing the word of his grace to build everyone up into their inheritance? Do you accept the privilege and responsibility of this kind of hard work to help the weak 
remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, if this is your home church, would you stand please? Forgive us, those who are visitors, just for a moment. Beautiful, thank you. On the screen behind me, there will be a passage from the book of Hebrews. And in that passage, we read, I think in a most elegant summary of biblical ideas, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of faith and imitate, sorry, way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority. I know that's not a popular word. It is still a Bible word, if understood well. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that your work will be a joy, not a burden. Their work. For that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for them. I will do the same. I'll read a passage. I will pause. And I will ask you to respond together. Before the Lord in a sacred moment, we will. Genesis community, whom we love deeply, for whom we are incredibly, incredibly grateful. Meryl and I were praying for you this afternoon, and it was with great intimacy, affection, and tenderness that we've just spoke about the five years we've journeyed together. It's been a pretty remarkable story. Outside of His grace, and the miracle-working power of His Holy Spirit, we would not exist. We would not have made COVID. But God in His kindness held us together. You are a testimony and a testament to the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. So you, Genesis Costa Mesa, will you accept the privilege and the responsibility to remember your leaders? You accept the privilege and responsibility to honor those who speak and spoke the word of God to you? Do you accept the privilege and responsibility, this is a big line, to consider the outcome of their way of life? You are allowed to consider our way of life. Do you accept and embrace the privilege and responsibility to imitate their faith? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you, Genesis Costa Mesa, accept the privilege and the responsibility to have confidence in your leaders? Do you accept the privilege and responsibility to submit to their authority? The privilege and responsibility to allow them to watch over you, as Terry described, men and women who give an account. Do you accept the privilege and responsibility to make their work a joy. Can I ask that again? Do you accept the privilege and responsibility to they work? They are not salaried. They are not paid by the church. They do this out of love for you and love for Jesus 
And I want to read that again, if you don't mind. Do you accept the privilege and responsibility to make their work a joy? All right, one more, one more, one more. Do you accept the, here is a biggie, do you accept the privilege and responsibility to pray for them? All right, please be seated. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to ask, because if I said whoever wants to come and pray, we would be in trouble. Um, And so I've taken the privilege of kind of initiating that a little bit. Did you want to say something now or later, my love? Okay, so we'll do that that after we prayed for them. Okay. So, uh, Terry and Linda, would you come and stand here with... uh, Terry is part of the collective leadership, those of us who lead Genesis Collective globally. And uh, if what you don't know is that Dana is his goddaughter. And he takes all the glory for how well she's done. (laughs) Deceived one. Uh, John, Mark, and Tammy, would you mind coming to stand here with Tyler and Haley? We have a pastor and a teacher, and it's a great Ephesians 4 moment for us to be able to share it together. Chris and Wendy, would you come up, please? Chris and Wendy, where are you? All right, would you come up, please? While they come up, I just want to honor them. They left their home, a big home in Rancho Cucamonga, feeling like God called them to come and serve here. And they live in a beautiful little place in Newport. But I'm deeply humbled that they prepared to live, leave a church that they've been. How long were you in that church? Too long, 25 years. 25 years. You mean they kicked you out, Chris? I actually called the pastor and he said, please take them. Please take them. And um, they left that church 27 years to come and help serve, love, and care for you. Just, I'm a super fan. You guys are incredible. Um, uh, Sam and Hannah Jackson, would you come up, please? While they come up, what most of you don't know, they are newer leaders. And I looked for someone who was a little older with us. They are new, and I mean, I'm also a super fan, but what most of you don't know is that Hannah lives with migraines every day, almost, and yet she was in the fast, scrumming down here and leading their uh, table community. I'm just, I'm I'm, uh, amazed and delighted at your generosity of heart and service. Um, Is Kelsey here? Not? Okay. Is there a single person from... Your table community, you want to join? Gosh, all of them. They're all, they're all single and awesome, if you're looking. Uh, it's like choosing your favorite child. Yeah, I don't want to choose. Well, that's easy. <laughs> I see Nani is like... Uh, all right. All right, Nani, you called, girl. You're it. Troy, where are you? Troy G. Um, why did I choose Troy obviously this was really really difficult but Troy came to see me he has a degree in business and accountancy from Biola felt God say don't go into the marketplace and go and make money I want you to live off 
lesser means so that you can serve the kingdom freely. And uh, he asked to come apprentice with us. And uh, he's now started running our books, which is really wonderful. But I love that spirit of sacrifice. Now, that's not going to be everyone's story. And please don't hear that I'm saying that's a higher virtue than your obedience. The highest virtue is obedience. It isn't what it looks like. But um, so what we're going to do is I want all of you just to rally around uh, the couple, please. I'm going to give you a few moments just to pray over them. Would you choose one of the couples? Um, And just where you're seated, just pray for them. We're going to give some time. We can't have the mic available because it'll take too long. But if you don't mind rallying around and praying for these precious people, and then I'm going to kind of pray an ordination prayer at the end. Is that good? Let's go. And you choose one of the couples that you want to pray for. Father, we are caught between celebration and sacredness, and I guess they interplay with each other. It's a moment we've waited for, we've longed for, for a team to get out in front and to lead us, whether it be through wilderness, whether it be on mountaintops or valleys, whether it be in times of great blessing and at times of great famine. We link our arms with them. We do it together, the six of us. And uh, we stand together in the courage and the grace and the reverence and the boldness that comes with obeying you. It's my honor tonight, the best way I understand the scripture, to lay my hands on them and to set them in to the eldership team here at Genesis Costa Mesa. In the humility of words and yet the power that they carry, we ordain them into this great space, as we've heard, to pastor, to oversee, and to govern. In this adventure, the page is turning tonight. This is the beginning of a new chapter in our story. And we are deeply, deeply grateful to you, O oh God, for these two uh, couples, for the kiddos that are here, and for the little guy that we're waiting to arrive real soon. We're so privileged that you're putting families together on an adventure of faith. Be blessed. Find your grace and strength in him. Remain ever in the shadow of the Almighty, drinking deeply and fondly from the well that preserves us and refreshes us, knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit at all times. And may this God, the shepherd who walks before us, be ever close to you as we walk together. We welcome you in to this community as an elder, two eldership couples in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, do you guys want to go and sit? All right, so I've asked them to take a few minutes because you've heard a lot from me, which is kind of what happens around here. But I thought it would be great for them to just talk a little bit about what they see with you and a little bit of the contribution that they believe they're going to bring. So who's going first? Should we start here with you guys? Work our way across? Do you want to go first, H? Sure. Okay. 
Thank you guys so much. This has been really sweet. So um, as Chris had mentioned earlier, when Tyler and I first came to this community, we were in our last year of college at Vanguard, and we were about three months into dating. And um, we had already been praying, okay, Lord, we know that this is going to be a big season of graduating and that community will look different. We weren't involved in the same church at the time. And we met Chris and Merrill in January of that year and just felt it was a huge answer to prayer. And it has been the greatest honor to get to be a part of this community and see how it's changed and see the people that the Lord has brought to us over the last few years. And so I am so grateful. Um, I tell Taylor often I didn't know that I could love people as much as I know that I can't now. Um, so I'm just so, so, so grateful for that. Um, I am looking forward to the opportunity to saying yes to what Terry mentioned. Um, I am so honored and, and just um, grateful to God that I get the privilege to pray for you, that I get the privilege to um, care for you and to um, even step aside Chris and Merrill, Dana and Stu and carry some of the load of this community. So it really is the greatest honor. And um, I, as I was praying for you guys, um, actually just felt this verse that Stu read last night, but it's from Hebrews. Um, so this is my prayer for us as we move forward and what I just feel the Lord has been doing um, this weekend and the past few years of just bringing people here that are going to be um, really cult culture creators in Orange County that that we are really called to push against a culture that's um, so um, individualistic, um, so bent towards consuming, and even the early days um, of this community where we learned how to bring something to the table um, every night. We still do that in a different way now, but just feel like this community is just a place where we get to really push against the, the culture of the area that we live in. And so this verse in Hebrews um, was just something that I'm going to commit to praying for our community. In Hebrews 10, 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that is my prayer for you, and um, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Um, there are just two scriptures I wanted, well, that were just on my heart as Chris uh, asked us to just share about our heart for eldership and for this community. And the first is Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And... The story of Genesis for me 
has just been a, a fruitful multiplication of his image in Costa Mesa, in the world, in our lives. We've had the joy and honor of leading a table community or midweek or home group or whatever the 15 names we've had for it has been along the way um, for a couple of years now. And I mean, I just, I just wrote down like some of the ways in a, a kind of a nuclear sense that we've just seen the image of God multiplied so beautifully. Um, we've seen the drug addicted baptized. We have seen housing miracles for people. Haley and I were one of those. Um, abundant generosity amongst 20-somethings who don't have thousands of dollars to give. We've been the recipients of that as well financially. Um, it's just been very humbling. Um, we've seen community transform, transforms people's walk with the Lord completely. We've prayed for healings. We've seen out-of-towners become immediate family. And I think just as a community at large, mission in the city has become such a central piece to Genesis. And I'm just so amazed, like my story of Genesis and the reason I have faith in the local church at all is because it has been such a fruitful multiplication of God's image. I think that our lives, I think your lives, I think Costa Mesa, I hope the nations will look different because of this church. And so that's the multiplication that I see and I pray to continue. But I also, uh, something I feel for where we're going is um, I want to read Romans 12, 21 over us. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. One of my professors says that this is the work of church planting, conquering evil with good, shining a light into dark places. And even this week as we've all been fasting together, the theme that has consistently come up through our prayer and worship times is holiness. That God is calling us as a community deeper into holiness. And so I hope and I ask you to hold me accountable that I be somebody who you can imitate my faith. That you can see me as somebody who longs for holiness above anything else and that I could be a leader, not as a, uh, like a, a uh, like Egyptian authority pharaoh figure, but like as a loving good shepherd who's just pointing you to the good shepherd all the way. And so in worship, in teaching, in coffees, in dinners at our place, in husbanding my wife, that you would hold me accountable, <laughs> especially... <laughs> really good um what else is there after that yeah <laughs> all right here we go um when I was thinking about um tonight and the residents were from last year will probably laugh at me um because yes I'm gonna quote Bonhoeffer uh, but, um he has this line in his book uh, life together where he says Christian community is not an ideal but a divine reality and I thought, and he goes on to say, who, he who loves his dream of community more than the community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. And as I was thinking about this beautiful group of people, I thought, I want to be committed to the divine reality that God has for you, not some ideal, not some out there theory, not some kind of best practice, but the divine reality that God is calling us to be as a people, divine as in his 
his uh, destiny, his purpose, his plan, um, but the reality of it, the, the good and the bad, the victory and the failure, the hard times and the easy times, that in all of those spaces that we would be um, shepherds who can come along the divine reality of what community can really look like. And my hope and my prayer is that in Stu and I, um, that we would love the divine reality of Genesis, that we would participate in your realities, that we would partner in your spiritual development, that we would love you dearly, that we would contend for you and with you in faith, that we would be, as Philippians says, of the same love, united in the same spirit, and that we would in all humility um, consider you, as that passage continues, more important than ourselves. Um, we don't have infinite capacity, but I am so trusting that God's vision for this community and this body, he will sustain and hopefully he will use us along the way. Um, I want to read this uh, finally. Where is it? Oh, no, sorry. This is my prayer for us. The more genuine and deep, deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. That we have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we have one another holy and for all eternity. That is my prayer for us and that is... Um, our promise to you that all and in and all I mean in the goodness of it that holds us together would be the unending, unceasing, um, unbreakable bond that is Jesus Christ. The prop is necessary. Right, now that I'm in charge... Um, we're going to change things up around here a little bit. JK, just had to lighten the mood there a little bit. That's, that's actually for me. I'm super nervous. I'm like shaking like a leaf. My heart for Genesis can be summed up in this sentence. This is a unique, creative, authentic, and holy expression of God's family, his grace, his goodness, and his greatness on display for the city of Costa Mesa and beyond. A lot of you don't know me, and I also think I slightly misunderstood the assignment of uh, what we're doing here right now. So I'm going to give you, <laughs> give you a brief history because it helps understand my heart for this community, which I think is really important. I was born in South Africa to ministry parents. I immigrated as a missionary from South Africa to the UK with my family at age 11, and I have been supporting church plants ever since. This is the fourth one that I've been in. I moved here at age 25 in order to marry this incredible woman. I know, punching above my weight. Costa Mesa has been home for almost 10 years now. Before anything else, I'm a husband and a father, clearly. The iPad. <laughs> this is my son's iPad cover. <laughs> As Chris said, I'm marketplace. We all are, we're not employed. I'm not paid by the church. I run a creative agency. 
And you'll find me Monday to Friday in the workplace learning how to lead and serve. I didn't go to Bible college. I haven't studied theology. I'm an ordinary man responding to the rabbi's call. My heart resonates with the fisherman, the tax collector, and the doctor. I've known Jesus a long time, but there have been a lot of ups and downs. And between the ages of 26 to about 32, I went down a deep road of deconstruction. And I got really frustrated with the church. And I got really hurt. And I think that that is important to understanding my heart for this community. Because I think many of you have. Some are currently. And some of you are yet to go down those same roads. And you will wrestle with your doubts. Turns out it's actually a good thing. And it's part of your maturation process. But sometimes it feels sore. What's truly important is admitting that you know so much less than you thought and so much less than you want to know. And then surrendering to God's reconstruction of who you are. For me, that moment was a trifecta of watching one of my best friend's lives completely explode as he walked away from Christ. The wise words of C.S. Lewis penned in his work, Mere Christianity, and starting to be a part of this community. Here are C.S.'s words. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought. Throwing out a new wing here or there, putting on an extra floor, running up some towers, making courtyards. You thought that you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. And it was about the time of the convergence of those three things that I started to visit Genesis. We were part of another community, and I was deeply disoriented. And as I stood in the throngs and the majesty of worship that this little church somehow knows how to do so well, I felt my dry, hard sponge of a heart being wetted again softened and responding to the spirit and in one of those early meetings with you as we worship together I heard the God the voice of God tell me I'll give you a heart for these people and for me that was at a time where I couldn't feel my heart at all and he said you will have a purpose here and I knew that it was to lead even though I felt so far away from being capable to do that And about nine months later, we joined, and he started to rewrite in my heart what it meant to lead. My vision for this church, look around. This is not a standard church demographic. People come in here and are shocked by the youth, the diversity. Why are so many cool young people passionate about Jesus? It's perplexing for some people, but 
it's important for us to realize that we have a unique call of God in our lives. And as a community, to me, my heart beats with creativity. I'm a creative director. I run a creative agency. I want to follow Jesus and be discipled in a creative way. I don't want the status quo. I'll rebel against that. And so my heart is for us to find new and relevant and exciting ways to be disciples of Jesus in our city. I'm passionate about holiness, which I firmly believe is the highway to the fullness of life as God intended it. Not something that is put on us to shackle us or limit us, but something that we are given the opportunity to enter into in order to experience true freedom and true abundance of life. Holiness will color your life to the absolute maximum. I believe in worship, not just singing songs. I see for this community a worship culture that is deep, that is authentic, that is raw, that is challenging, that costs us something, that uplifts those who are brokenhearted and disillusioned, that unifies us as a family. I'm passionate about this community growing in our biblical literacy in a time where the Bible has fallen off the map of what it even means to be a Christian. I want us to develop a passion and a commitment for his word because it is the plumb line of truth. I'm passionate and I see this church as a family on mission as we discover and drive into our divine purpose of serving the least of these, of loving one another. And I'm passionate to see us become a people of heaven. As Haley said, opposing the tide. There's this scripture, which I'd like to pull out of my little pocketbook here. This is a great sized Bible, by the way. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, us, humanity. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, us again, as we're being remade. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of of the man of heaven. And that phrase, man of heaven, and obviously women of heaven, people of heaven, is what I'm passionate for this community to become and why I stand up here willing to say yes to serving and working and putting in the extra effort so that we can become people of heaven. When Chris and Merrill asked me and us, to become elders. Dana made perfect sense and I was very confused. I felt so disqualified and I went away in private and I said to God, God, I don't feel qualified for this. And he said to me in his beautiful way, which one of my people that I called was qualified before I called them? And I just was like, mm, well, not Abraham, not Moses, not Noah, not Paul, not any, not any of them. And he said, son, the grace is in the going. I'll put 
batteries in your little toy piano. This is a, another child reference as a dad. We bought this toy piano from Goodwill the other day, and it didn't have any batteries, so it didn't make any sound. So I put batteries in it. still didn't make any sound until you press the keys. I'll put the batteries in your toy piano. My grace will fuel you. You've got to play your song. And so here I am, saying yes to eldership, feeling unqualified except for the grace of God, feeling a little poorly equipped except for the grace of God, and simply willing, we are simply willing to put up our hands and say, Lord, here we are, use us. We're willing to serve. And if my service and our service and our example of apprenticeship to Jesus, messy and manic as it may be, empowers any of you to take just one more step towards Christ and his kingdom, then I will be deeply satisfied knowing that he is getting all of the glory. Absolutely beautiful. We're coming to the table before we come to the table. We are going to break bread together now within the ambience of celebration. I'm sure you know by now this has been an evening of difference and yet an evening of great import to us as a community. On your tables is bread. Can I have a bread, please, Olivia, Tian, someone? Dee, can you hold the microphone for me, please? This is not a moment of Christian ritual or history. It is a moment of great and sublime encounter when we bring our festivities to the table and we find there Jesus breaking bread as he did on that great night. Amidst celebration, there was lament for what he was about to go through was to empower us ultimately to a life, a revolutionary life of supernatural living. And he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, do it every time you do it. Every time you get together for a meal, do it in remembrance of me within the sacredness of the life I have given you. Take and eat, he said. And then he took a cup and he took a drink from that cup, knowing quite well that Judas was sitting near him, near enough to dunk the bread with Jesus. That one amongst them would betray him. The idea that only Christians get around the table means that Jesus broke his own rule. He broke bread with a fiend, an enemy who would betray him. But to those of us who believe, it says, watch your heart. Soberly consider yourself so that you do not bring a curse on yourself. So even as we, some tables have grape juice, some have wine, uh, you're welcome to mix and match. I want us to do it together in gratitude. I want you to take the bread, I want you to take the wine, even if you're a visitor here tonight, we celebrate you being with us. Thank the people around you for being here. Bless the people around you. And as tables, would you take the bread and the cup as a great earmark of divine community that exists in a broken world but the union that comes through his Holy Spirit. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken, take it, do it in remembrance of him. For in his brokenness, there is wholeness in his grave. The tomb is empty. Just pour me a glass of grape juice there, please.
took the cup and he said, drink, I love this part. It's the part of hope. That even as we partake of this, it speaks of the hope that comes through the cleansing work of the cross. Take, eat, take, drink, and bless each other in the spirit of gratitude and celebration.